I'm going to be reading tonight from Ephesians chapter 4 again. I'll be reading verses 11 through 16. Tonight is going to be a continuation of last week. So Ephesians 4, beginning at verse number 11, it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness and deceit of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. For the next few minutes, for the next little bit, I'm just going to entitle this Equipped Part 2, I am a minister. I am a minister. Last week, those of you that were here and those of you that were watching online, uh, we all learned one very important thing. And that one important thing was that I am a gift from God to you. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's not the important thing that we learned. Hopefully you remembered that I was joking about that. Now these, according to Ephesians 4 and 11, are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. See, if you really want to look at that, it's like the pastors and the teachers, we just kind of got thrown in there with everybody else. It says, you know, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, oh, and the pastors and the teachers. So I, you know, I don't. I'm not thinking too highly of myself, but that's really not what I'm talking about. The the important fact that that we had to learn. It was so important that I gave you permission to point at someone. I even gave you permission to say things out loud to them as you were pointing at them, and 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 I I made it so clear. Hopefully, we were able to grab a hold of it. And so, to remind us, I want us to do it again. I want you to look at your neighbor or someone close to you and point at them and say, "You matter." Now, why am I allowing you to say those things? Because well, the, remember the rule of if you're pointing, you've got three fingers pointing back at you. and So say to yourself, but before you say it, I want you to think about it. I want you to remember how that I put it to you. I want you to remember what I was trying to tell you of what it really means to matter. And I want you to say it like you not only... Like not, not only that you remember, but that you actually believe what I'm saying to you when I try to tell you to say to yourself, I matter. Now say it. Okay, now that's a good warm-up. Say it again like you, like you really mean it. 
That's good. That's Sister O'Brien. That's what I wanted to hear. See, there, there was some force behind that. She was letting me know, look, I'm not going to say it again. I, I'm letting you know. I matter. We, we, we have to get to this understanding. We have to get to this place that we understand that we matter. And so tonight, I, I, maybe I'm going to say it a little bit different. I, as I'm going to just put it maybe in a little bit of a different point of view. And, and I want us to understand it this way, that you make a difference. It's not only that you matter, but you make a difference. We're about to do some more finger pointing. And, and, and I want you, as you point this, I want you to think of the person and realize how much that they mean to you when you say this to them. And I want you to point at them and say, you make a difference. See, that, that's how it works when I tell you to point at someone and say it. And then you, you know, you're supposed to say it. You, you make a difference. Now... We've been through all of this. We've had all, see, all of those are just warm-ups for what I'm about to make you say. But before you say it, realize that if you don't say it the first time, I'm going to make you say it again. I'm going to make you say it until it, it comes across. Like, you really believe what you are about to say. I, 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 I'm giving you all of this time to prepare yourself. So are you ready? Are you sure? Now say it like you mean it. I make a difference. I make a difference. We, we, we can get to an understanding. We, we really must get to this understanding that you make a difference. While I was studying for this, I, I read a quote that says, Great leaders don't set out to be leaders. They set out to make a difference. It's never about the role. It's always about the goal. I ask us tonight, what is our goal? When we come through those doors, after we've pulled on to this parking lot and we've walked through those doors and, and we come into the house of God, what is the goal that we have when we come in? Is it simply so that we can say that I went to church? Is it so that we can say that we've met our quota for the week on going to the house of God? We can say and, and feel better about ourselves. We've fulfilled our responsibility of what it means to be a Christian. Need I remind you that we only spend 2.38% of our time in the house of God? And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. In Acts 5 and 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It was a daily thing. It's never been just how, how little amount of time can I do. It, it's, it's never been about just so that we can say that we were at church. It's, it's never been so that we can say, well, I go to that church or I do this in that church or, or this has happened or that has happened. It's, it's never been about that. It's always been about the purpose when we walk through those doors what is our purpose to be here Ralph Waldo Emerson says the purpose of life is not to be happy well this is going downhill fast 
But it is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate. Oh, now I'm feeling better. To have it make some difference uh, that you have lived and that you have lived well. I begin to, to look more and I found Jimmy Carter. that He said it like this. I have one life and one chance to make it count for something. My faith demands that I do whatever I can, wherever I can, uh, whenever I can, for as long as I can, with whatever I have to try to make a difference difference when we come to the house of God is this the only place that we're wanting to make a difference is this the only place that our goal is to walk with him or is it also when we walk outside of the house of God it's it's easy for us to look around and we can point at fingers of those and we can say you make a difference it really is easier for me to see the difference that you make and the difference that I make. Because I see my fall, my, my faults. I see all of my flaws. I, I see my shortcomings. I see the, th- the things that I haven't done. Or, or I see where I've messed up. But I see what you have done and what you have done in my own life. And it's easy for me to look at you and say, you make a difference. Or, or you matter. But there's got to be something on the inside of us that we begin to get a little bit of an understanding. That we still make a difference. Even when we're not feeling like we're doing everything we can we have to understand that we grab a hold of the fact that we make a difference so while it may be easy for you to point the finger I must get you to see tonight that you make a difference I know how in the world am I going to get you to believe my title if I can't even get you to believe that you make a difference Now point at yourself this time and say it like this. I am a minister. That's okay. A little less conviction than I was hoping for, but I'll take what I can get. It's okay because I haven't taught the whole lesson yet. It's, well, you know, if we say this again at the end, I, there's going to be a whole lot more conviction because right now you're worried about, well, what is he going to say I have to do as a minister if I'm saying that I am a minister? Well, that's okay. It's all coming. Paul penned these words. He said, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I I want to let us in on a secret at the beginning. I I let us in on it last week, and and some may not have believed it, but the work of the ministry, it, it really is that. It's work. Nobody likes to talk about it. Nobody wants to tell you that the work of the ministry actually is translated as toil. They, everybody wants to have the idea of that when you come into the house of God or you decide to be in a part of a ministry, that if you decide to be a part of something that's growing, well, everything's going to be Pollyanna and there's, there's never a bad day. There's never wind that blows holes in the side of the fence. There's, there's never wind that opens a door back in the, and you have to come up here because the alarm's going off and they've called the police. No, no. They just want you to think about how when the service is going good, that's what ministry is. (laughs) Ministry does not happen here usually. It happens outside of the doors. And and it's toil, it's work. But when, when you think of ministry, what comes to your mind? Is it a preacher? Is it a suit and tie? Is it an official position with a name on a door? 
I remember being 18 or 19 and sitting at what they call now an afterburner. Uh, I was in camp meeting in, in Tioga, Louisiana, and I was young, and so, you know, there were hundreds of kids, and I'm going to try my best to paint this picture for you, and it's, it's going to be in a place that you can smell it, because have you ever been in a skating rink after a camp meeting service, and you smell feet all in the air? That's what this place smelled like. Surrounded by sweaty kids and feet, a couple skates were to Ray Bolts, the anchor holds. Just whatever we could do that was a slow song and still, you know, be, be godly or Christian. Just breathe in that atmosphere. They would dim the lights and then the light would come on, the, the disco ball, and, and they would be going around. And, and finally, we were just all sitting at a table, all of the group together, because I, I really wasn't in the skating. I was just, you know, just everybody else wanted to be there and I was driving. So we were sitting there. And, and as we're sitting at the table, we and, and all of the guys that, that were staying with me in the hotel, room there's this dude that's just just not even five feet away from from us and he, he's surrounded by a group of girls and, and and he looks at them and he says hey ladies do you know that I'm a minister and in chorus at the same time they all said are you he reaches in his pocket pulls out his wallet I'm intrigued now. He's, he's, he's already brought me into the conversation. He doesn't realize it, but I, I, I want to know what's going on over here, you know. I, and so I'm just watching. I'm listening. I'm saying, where is this thing going? And our whole table is shut up. We're not talking about anything else now. We're just watching this guy to see what is about to happen. And so he reaches in, and, and he, he, he pulls out his wallet, and he says, yes. And as he opens it, he pulls out his minister credentials with the UPCI. And they all swooned. And he said, I'm preaching my first revival next month. And they're all just like, oh my goodness, it's so great. He was using his card to pick up ladies at a skating rink. He was the only one there that was still in his suit and tie because, you know, he was the holy one that was still there. But in all of his holiness, he was still just using that card to try to pick up the ladies. And when I look at ministers, I honestly, I promise you, I looked at the guys that were with me and I said, if I'm ever a minister, I will not do that. I want us to understand that we need to get back to the original idea of what ministry was. And it's not about if you have credentials with an organization. It's not about if you have a title above your door. It's not if you have a suit and tie. It's not what kind of car you drive. It's not any of those things. In fact, what ministry means in this in this, in this part of the scripture, whenever Paul penned this, the word that he used for ministry was service. As in a waiter. That's what it says. Service as in a waiter. A waiter waiting a table. A server waiting to serve. Ministry is defined as an act of service done with a willing, voluntary attitude. That changes our picture of what it means to be a minister. Whenever we come to the house of God, we have to understand that we are all ministers. It's not about who's on the platform and who's in the seat. It's about the spirit of a minister that says, I'm going to do whatever I've got. I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going 
going to be the hands and the feet of God. We must proclaim. We must declare to ourselves, I am a minister. And just so you're aware, my wife married me, and she's not here tonight. But she's watching online, and she married me before I ever had my license. I'm just putting that out there. In fact, Brother Braswell, as I was leaving, and, and the Sunday before I, 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 was leave, I was preaching, and as he's introducing me to preach before I go get my license, he says, well, we'll see what these licenses can really do for you. Sister Kim, let me know what really happens. <laughs> Ministry is more than behind a pulpit. A true minister, true ministry doesn't happen in these four walls. Yes, it can happen, but true ministry is bigger than these four walls. True ministry can happen in Walmart. True ministry can happen at a gas station. True ministry can happen on your job. Ministry is about the willingness to serve. We had a favorite restaurant in Lee Summit. And honestly, most Sundays we would end up at this place. It was a few minutes from the church, so it was very easy for us to get there. And no, it is not Jack Stack, even though it is in the same area. There was no carrot cake at this restaurant. In fact, if I'm being honest, the food really wasn't the greatest there. It was okay, but would I drive way out of my way to go there? No. We would go there for the service. It started off... It, was, it started off easily enough to where we went in and we had this, this waitress and she was so nice and she, she was just amazing at her job. And so we tipped her like she was amazing at her job. She, she, was, she was a young lady. She was in, in the beginning part of her college career. And so we, we were going in and, and finally after a few weeks we, we had her every single time. And it got to the point that when we would walk in, if she would see us, she would come and get us and say, y'all come and sit in my section. Or if we... If she she didn't see us and we saw her we would just look at the person at the at the table and say we want to sit in her section and she would just wave us over and there would be a table and she'd clean off the table even though she wasn't a busser and there were there was something about it to where she would just walk up to the table because I'm a creature of habit and she would just look at me and say do you want what you always get <laughs> yes I do why change why, why venture out and try to get something that you're not sure it's going to be good when you can get the sampler platter and it's got a few nachos on it. It's got, it's got some other things on there, you know. And So why venture out? Yes, that's what I want. It's Kim that would always say, well, what do you recommend today? <laughs> and then this Sunday it happened. We were in her section and Right before we were getting ready to leave, she came up and she was all excited to tell us, this is my last Sunday here. And I'm like, well, why? What's going on? And she said she was moving out of state to finish her schooling. She was going to be a nurse. And so she was moving out of state to go to some uh, very expensive, uh, like, nursing school. I'm, I'm not even sure, you know, what, what all that had to do with, but she was basically, uh, she had applied and they had accepted her into this place and she was going with honors because of her grade point average. And, and so we were so excited for her, but I must admit that I was a little worried because the one that was serving me would not be there next week. <laughs> 
We gave her a good tip and we tried to go back a few more times and we would, we would go in and, and I'm sad to say that the service went downhill. The food stayed the same. Not really the greatest. But the service, it, it went downhill from there. And, and as we were sitting there, it just it got to where we just, there were times that we would sit and we would wait and no one would even come to the table to check and take our order. And then we would have our food and we would be eating it and I would have to, 15, 20 minutes, we're sitting there waiting and we would have to ask, is there any way that I could pay my bill so I could leave? got to the point that the service was so bad that we stopped going back. I want us to look at the house of God and I want us to begin to look at how that we serve others. I want us to ask ourselves, is the service so good that even if everything else is bad they'll decide to come back? Is the service and the love that they feel from you so good that everything else doesn't matter? It's not about how good a person preaches or how good the song is. I believe that there can be something that happens when you begin to minister when you begin to touch and talk to the guest I don't care if they walk out of here and they don't remember what I preached they don't remember one song that was sang but if they will look and say that person made me feel like I cared, like I mattered that person made me feel like I like they cared that person touched my heart that's really all that matters it's not about anything else it's about making sure that we're ministering, that we're serving, that we're reaching someone else. You ever been to a church and walked out and thought to yourself, well, the food wasn't the greatest, but wow, the service, the people were amazing. There are things that we can deal with whenever there is a heart of service that is around us. We must understand that we matter. We, we must understand that we are ministers. We, we must understand and believe that we make a difference. Can I let you in on a, on a secret that probably shouldn't be a secret, but I think we've gotten so far away from what it means to truly be a minister that, that, that we've forgotten these things, that when you smile at someone, do you realize you're ministering? When you ask someone to sit with you, you're ministering. When you pick up a piece of trash, you're ministering. Oh, uh, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious about that. You're, you're ministering because it's, it's what's in the heart. It's, it's what's in the heart. And, and when it's in your heart, it begins to come out. I, I remember it was a Sunday morning and Brother Gary and Sister Sharon, they had pulled in and they had parked out there. And, and as I'm coming in, I'm just looking and Brother Gary and Sister Sharon, they're out there picking up some stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, Sunday mornings you come in, there's usually some stuff on the parking lot. We try to get it picked up. But Sister, Brother Gary and Sister Sharon was out, were out there beside their car. And, and as they're coming in, Brother Gary's got a handful of those little uh, gas station liquor bottles. Travel size, I'm pretty sure they weren't his. He may have made a joke and tried to say they were Sister Sharon's, and I told him, I don't think they're y'all's. 
But he was so worried that they would be seen out there. And then Sister Sharon, I, I, if I remember correctly, she was worried about putting them into the ladies' bathroom, into the trash, because what if someone dries their hands and looks and sees that there's a bunch of liquor bottles in there? Before they ever smiled at you, before they, when you walked in those doors, they were already ministering because they were caring about what the parking lot looked like. The parking lot is an extension of the house of God. And whenever we begin to look at things through the eyes of the ministry, we begin to look at things through the eyes of everything I do matters. Was it their job? No, but there was something about it that they just loved. How many times I've seen it happen, you've done it. There's been something on the floor, something in the seats, and you've just went by and you've picked it up and you've thrown it away. Why? Because there's something about you that simply loves the house of God. We must understand that even that in itself is ministering whenever you do it out of love whenever you do it from a grateful heart I know that's such a simple example but whenever we can begin to understand that before the first guest ever arrives we begin to look at everything through the eyes of the ministry we begin to look at things and say how am I going to make a difference in someone's life how am I going to make a difference in their life when they walk through those doors how am I going to make them feel like they matter? How am I going to make them feel like it's not about me, but it's about them? How am I going to do that? It can't be that simple. Yes, it can. It really is. I've had people, I've, oh man, as a youth pastor, I've, I've cleaned up some stuff. As a pastor, I have not cleaned up as much stuff. Thank you, Lord. Knock wood. Hopefully that's real wood. But I've had people tell me things like, that's not the job of the ministry. <laughs> then whose job is it if we're all ministers? Reaching to someone caring about someone your smile I'm telling you it, it may be your smile that causes someone to come back it, it may be your, your lifting of your hands it may be your encouraging worship it may be just someone letting them know uh, that you're glad to see them that you've missed them it's been a while since you've seen them do you realize that's ministering that you're reaching out for someone and letting them know that they matter you're reaching to to someone there's so much that I can't do it all by myself you can't do it all by yourself that's why we've got to learn that we're being equipped to reach we're being equipped to care we're being equipped to care we must get to the place that we all look through it through the eyes and the lens of being a minister I know that I've told you about what I like to call the donut incident I was given a very hard time this Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, because there were no donuts to go with the coffee. I was called to the back, and I was reprimanded a little bit, and I told them, I told Sister O'Brien and Sister Tipton both, I said, those donuts from Guatemala would have been so stale by the time they got here. They did not buy that excuse. Sister Tipton just looked at me and said, Krispy Kreme's right up the road. <laughs> Apparently.
apparently some things had been said and joked with the Harveys in the back about the donuts. And I tried to tell them that it would have been stale. And you know that they had the nerve to look at me and said, well, there, aren't there any donuts locally? <laughs> it's like, you know, I loved you guys before you got here. But, but maybe this is why that I'm not a fan of donuts at the house of God. Because of the donut incident. It still, it still hurts. We were guests at a church and this lady was in mid-bite of donut. When she looked at us, looked at me mostly because I was the closest one to her and says, Yeah, when we stand you're probably going to want to move because I have friends coming. I do not remember the message that was preached that day. I do not remember one song, but here's what I do remember. In one hand, she has an orange juice. In the other hand, there's maybe half of a donut, glazed donut. How do I know it's a half? Because in the other half, it's in her mouth, and I get to see it as she's talking to me, and and I get to hear, yeah, I could, I promise you, I could hear it over the music, and the, and the music was bumping, it was loud, and I, I could hear and I could see the donut, and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Seafood indeed. I don't remember anything, but I remember how it made me feel. It made me feel like I was not welcome as a guest in that place. It made me feel like I did not belong on that row. It, it made me feel to the point that I was so ready to leave. I, I was so uncomfortable that Kim had to tell me to sit down. I'm done. I told her I'm done. We can go. We can go sit somewhere else. And Kim said, we're not going anywhere. There are people on this side. And you know what? No one came for the whole service and sat there. None of her friends showed up, maybe because they saw her talking to someone with half a donut in her mouth. But here's what else I remember. I never went back. I never went back. Why? Because in that one moment, someone decided that their comfort was more important than reaching for a guest that was sitting beside them. It was in that moment that they decided that what they wanted was more important than making sure that a guest that had never been there, that was new in their city, that they decided in that moment that they didn't care about trying to reach and see if the guest that was sitting three seats down from them was in the middle of pain and brokenness. I need us to understand that's how important it is. Every time that they come in, we don't know what their background is. We don't know what's happened on the way to service. All we know is that we've got about nine 90 minutes with them and in those 90 minutes if we can realize I'm a minister I'm a minister from the time they walk in those doors until the time they leave if I see them in the, in, in the store later I'm still a minister because I'm going to let them know that I care about them I'm here to serve them I'm here to help them I'm here to lift them up I'm here to let them know that someone cares about them so what has any of this got to do with being equipped I'm glad you asked because I'm going to kind of close with that point. Equipped, having the necessary tools, clothes, equipment, etc. Having the skills needed to do something. 
one of the necessary tools that you must have is an understanding of how much you matter. Your name may never be, the song says, in lights on a marquee. But I promise you there's someone that you have made a difference in their life. There are people in my life that have, the, the people that have made the most difference in my life, they are not ministers. They are, they've never preached at a, at a camp meeting. They've never been on the stage at, at a general conference. They've never been to a because of the times. They're Sunday school teachers. They're those that care about a person no matter how young or how old they are. Those are the people that have made the most difference in my life because at some point they understood that what they do matters. One of the things we must understand is how much we matter. Mark 12, 28 through 34. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, Perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, he said. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all of your heart, with all of the understanding, with all of your soul and your strength, to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to question him. The scribes never ask what the second commandment was. But Jesus felt that it was so important that he included it in his answer to what the first commandment is. He said that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How can we love or minister to our neighbor if we do not love ourself? One definition of that is esteem, to set a high value on, to regard highly and prize accordingly. How can we esteem our neighbor? If we have no esteem for ourselves, we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to think of all of our faults and our failures. We see all of our own flaws and, and we begin to disqualify ourselves from being ministers. We begin to disqualify ourselves from what God has called us to be. We begin to disqualify ourselves because we think of ourselves. Uh, we think of ourselves in a way that He knows.
knows. I know all of my faults. I know everything that I've done. There's no way that I can do it. And Jesus is looking down trying to get us to understand that you've got to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. Because if you don't love yourself, there's no way that you can truly love your neighbor. We've got to get to the place that we get rid of the condemnation. We've got to get to the place that we allow God to remove all of the doubts, all of the fears, all of the things that we've come up short. We've got to accept His forgiveness. We've got to accept His love. We've got to get to the place that we begin to look at ourselves and say, I am a minister. And even though I have done those things, God has called me to do those things. Those things are behind me. I'm setting my eyes on the mark. I'm placing them on the high calling of Christ Jesus. I'm about to run this race and I'm going to run it with patience. I'm going to win this thing because I'm not looking behind me. I'm setting my eyes on things that are before. I'm marching on. I'm going forward and that's the only way. We must forgive ourselves too. We are our worst critics. I won't even go into sins, but at, at times you've decided I'm going to pray and then you don't. Who's the first one? The enemy. Oh, I thought you were going to pray. Those thoughts begin to go in there. Then we begin to make excuses and then we begin to feel guilty and the condemnation, it just keeps going. What about that time when you were going to fast and, and you just, you made it so far and then you stopped or, or you were going to read the Bible all the way through. You were in the middle of a, of, of a dedication and you were in the altar and you decided and you promised God and then, then you came up short and the enemy is there. There's got to be something that if God will forgive us, we must allow ourselves to forgive ourselves so that we can go forward we must get to the place that we say God it's under the blood and if you'll give me the strength and you'll give me the courage I want to let someone know that how much you love me I'm going to love me and I'm going to do it so that I can share your love with someone else love your neighbor as yourself oh I know what you're going to say but what about Philippians 2 and 3 let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. He's saying it's the attitude that matters. Don't, don't do it so that you can say, look what I've done. That, that's, that's the, I'm sure this guy has prayed and, and I'm sure he's a powerful man of God, but that's what the guy was doing at the, at the skating rink. Selfish ambition, trying to get a date, trying to show, oh, this is what... Don't, don't do it so that you can gain. Don't, don't, don't do it so that, so that anyone will look at you and pat you on the back. Don't do it through your selfish ambition. Don't let conceit get a hold of you. But let something be, hold of you, be, be a hold of you that's in your mind. That you look at someone and say, I've got to reach them. I love them so much that I'll put all of my needs and all of my wants on the back burner. It doesn't say that you don't care about yourself. 
It doesn't say that you don't believe in yourself. It just simply says that I'm going to reach for someone else instead of myself. I'm going to care about someone. I'm going to reach for them. I'm going to minister to them. We look at everything through the lens of the ministry. It will change how we do it. And I'm finished with the story of the Good Samaritan. See, the ministry, they all walked by. The elected officials, they had places to be. And they walked by as one of their own, lay in a ditch dying. Went so far as to cross to the other side of the street. But it was the Samaritan that stopped. The one that had the roles been reversed. And it had been a Samaritan in the ditch. Would this man have stopped for him? But the Samaritan stopped, goes down, lifts the man, puts him on his own beast of burden, bandages, ointment, tries to get him to a place that he's safe, takes him to the hotel and to the point that now the Samaritan has to leave. The Samaritan actually pays for him to stay and says, if the bill is higher than what I've given you, I'll be back through to take care of what's left. I wonder when the last time is that we looked at someone through those eyes. Not about the organization, not about the name on a door. But no, we looked at it through the eyes of the ministry. We looked at it through the eyes of a servant. We looked at it through the eyes of Jesus that left all of heaven, was wrapped in flesh, came down and died a sinner's death. He tasted all of sin and then he paid a price that none of us could pay and he said, I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. I wonder when the last time that we've passed someone on the street that didn't look like us, didn't act like us, didn't talk like us they had a different color hair they had a different lifestyle they had a different belief system they didn't believe in God they didn't believe in anything that you believed in in fact they stood for everything that was exact opposite of what you believed in and you looked at them with the eyes of compassion and said I still love you will never be equipped until we realize that we're ministers. Until we realize that we're ministers. Would you bow your heads?
in the middle of my own brokenness. It's where I found my best friend. Travis. You've met him. I've shown you pictures. But in the middle of my own brokenness, we sat and we wept and we cried together. And we prayed together. He poured out his heart and I poured out mine. We weren't worried about being behind a pulpit. All we cared about was making sure that we were right with God. And the more that I emptied out, the more that he would encourage and the more that I, that he would empty out, the more I would try to encourage. And there was something that was forged between us. There was something that nothing can take away, that no distance can take away. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that if you want to make a difference in someone's life, do it with a servant's heart. Can we stand? To it with a servant's heart. You know, I don't even remember that young lady's name at, on the border. But I remember the way she treated us. You know, she treated us the same before we tipped her the first time as she did the next time after we had tipped her. When they walk in those doors, when you see them in the store and the Holy Ghost quickens you, I told you last night, I read to you the scripture. It tells us that the Holy Ghost will give you the words. When it quickens you, and you have to speak, you have to say something. Or they come to you, and they begin to just talk and say, there's something different. Are you one of them? Are you apostolic? Are you Pentecostal? Will you pray? Oh, look at it as an opportunity to minister. Look at it as an opportunity to minister. As an opportunity to make a bond with someone that whenever they're in the middle of their brokenness, they see you and they realize there's someone I can trust. There's someone that cares. So I'm going to ask you to say it again. Now that you know what it means to be a minister, 
Say it with me. I am a minister. And finish after I tell this little story. It's really short. We were in a conference and there were multiple churches there. And as we like to do, we give honor to ministers. And so the gentleman was behind the pulpit and said, Would all the ministers stand? The middle section was basically one church. And they all stood. People giggled. People laughed. The pastor of that congregation was one of the next ones to speak. And he stood and said, I tell my people they're all ministers. They're all ministers. And he said, whenever someone walks in the door, they're ministering to them. When they're walking out, they're ministering to them. When they're sitting beside them in the, in the store or, or, or in the restaurant or in the church, they're ministering to them. My people understand they're all ministers. We're all ministers. It's not big eyes and little U's. It's us. We're ministers. We're the body of Christ. We're ministers. Would you lift your hands and just let's pray. God, would you open our, open our eyes so that we can see. There really is nothing special about us, but you love us. And you have trusted us to go and to make disciples. You have called us to the work of the ministry. You have called us to be ministers, to be servants, to be waiters. When those that are broken, we are the ones that can bring them healing power from you. We are the ones that can help bind up their wounds. God, we are ministers. Allow us to believe it. Allow us to operate in it. Allow us to go forward in it. God, because it will be you that gives us the words. It will be you that gives us the power. It's you that anoints us. It's you, it's you that leads us and guides us. God, but we're going to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Touch each and every need. We stand in the gap for them, God. We make our petitions known. In your name we pray. And everyone said amen.